0: Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Good day today. Aren't you glad you live in the United States of America? Aren't you thankful for that? Hey, just a couple of things. First of all, today, and she said I couldn't do this. No, she didn't say it, but if I did it, she would reprimand me later. I was going to lead you in happy birthday for Andrea, our worship pastor. Wow. Isn't that great? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Pastor Andrea. Happy birthday to you. Wow. Isn't she a great gift to the body of Christ? And I just want to say thank you for those of you that are uh, honoring our pastors back there with the cards and the gifts. Uh, October, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, and it means a lot to read through those, some handmade cards and, and uh, some sweet things to so say thank you. And <clears throat> I just want you to know how much that we appreciate that. But also, I would ask you to not only do that for our pastors here in the house, but also pastors in our community that you know, we want to give that to them. I want to go into something today. So uh, we have a lot of people online. Let me pull out my online church. And uh, we're glad you joined us today. And so I'm going to really talk about a, I guess, a sensitive subject, but I'm not afraid of this subject. How would uh, Jesus vote? Or some people say, would Jesus even vote? Because he didn't live in a democracy. And uh, I hear people say, you know, it's the Christians, um, all Christians must vote. Well, I don't see that in the Bible, all right? So I think we should use our vote as we are in America, the freedom. I think that's a a political right that we have. But to say that you must vote, uh, here's what I do. When I look at voting and political things, I look at what does the word say? If the word is silent on an area, then I have to be silent and say it's it's your choice there. Would Jesus vote? I think he probably would. Um, Maybe not. Who knows? You have to ask him when you get to heaven, and if you miss that, I'll ask him for you, okay? (laughs) Listen, those of you that are online, all I just say today is I'd like you to be kind. Listen to what I say, not what I don't say, because I'm going to make some of you very uncomfortable today. In fact, I made myself very uncomfortable when preparing for this teaching, so I, I'm there right there with you, but be kind. Uh, I don't care who you're voting for. You don't need to post that. Uh, we're voting for Jesus, and we love. So is that, is that fair enough? Is that fair enough? So um, I want to read this verse, and then we'll pray again. 1 Timothy 2, 2 through 4, you say, what would Jesus want us to do? Here's what he would. Would you read this with me? And pray for every political leader and representative so that we would be able to live tranquil, undisturbed lives as we worship the awe-inspiring God with pure hearts. It is pleasing to our... It's what? Look at your neighbor and say, it's pleasing." pleasing. We also pray, I want to please you, Lord. So here's how he says... Read it. It's pleasing to our Savior God to pray for them. He longs for everyone to embrace this life, return to the full knowledge of the truth. Did you look at that? He said, uh, He longs for everyone to embrace this, and He wants us to pray for our leaders, our representatives, all of them, ours, ours, ours. I heard somebody say, well, this president is not my president. Well, then get out of America. Go to some place you don't have a chance. I've never said that about a president because I realize that I have to give honor to the office of the president. You don't have to agree. You don't agree with me most of the time or part of the time, but yet you, you show honor. So I'm just saying we have to be careful for what we say. So I'm going to take a pause in our teaching on destiny and I'm going to talk about this subject today my teaching is not designed today so please do not hear this to get you to vote one way or the other in fact if you look around in this congregation today you'll see a lot of people that will vote different than you but different is not evil and different is not bad so just look around there are a lot of different people from where they are sitting they're gonna vote different for you so this this teaching is um, not a sermon to make you feel good, to flip over a chair or jump up and raise your hands in the air. Uh, it's really, I, I know sometimes the word makes us feel good, but then sometimes the word makes us feel uncomfortable also. But here's what I know. His word holds final authority. Would you agree with that? His word holds final authority. I want also to say as clearly as I know possible, I'm going to stick to my manuscript pretty close today. It's not like a usual teaching. I probably won't jump up and run around. And um, for those of you that are new, you'll have to come next time and see, no, we really don't do that. But I want to stick to the manuscript because I know how easy it is for people to think I'll take things out of context or how it's easy to hear people say something I didn't say. So I want to stick pretty close to that. From the very outset of what I'm going to say today, many of you, how many of you have already voted? I know Anita and I voted about, probably about half. So this will be good for us because what I'm going to talk about today is not only for this election, but it's what happens after the election. Here's what I want you to know. The church does not ultimately depend on what happens in Washington. The church does not ultimately depend on what happens in Washington. My question is, have you been praying that First Timothy passage for the last four years? A lot of people are like, a lot of people are like, you know, they, they don't spend time coming to church. They don't spend time praying, but let a crisis come and they run straight to the church and they'll call Pastor Tim, even though they haven't been to church in six months. You got to see me now. You got to pray for me now. No, I don't. You've been dragging for six months and now you, you're in a crisis. You think that I have to do it now. We are here for you. We care for you. We love you. And it's amazing. For four years, This scripture has said that we need to pray for all of our leaders, all of our leaders, not just the president, but all, not just the ones that you agree with, but all of them. So the question is, as a believer, have we been doing that? And you say, well, no, I haven't. Well, then let's start a new thing today and say, you know what? From here on out, every day in my prayers, I'm going to do what it prays here. And I'm going to do this. I love this quote from Chuck Colson. Get your camera out. You probably want to take a picture of this. This is so good. Salvation does not come riding in on Air Force One. Wow. Isn't that great? Oh, man, we just got to get this person in. We got to get that. Salvation doesn't come riding in on Air Force One. Listen to me. The hope of the church, whether you're in the first century or the 21st century, is not found in political decisions, but it's found through the power of Christ, through his church, through his people. Amen. The Republicans may rage. The Democrats may plot. But whomever becomes our president in January 2021, I'm going to tell you one thing for certain. certain. I prophesy right now what's going to happen. Are you ready? Write this down. I prophesy to you right now. Jesus will still be seated on the throne. Jesus will still be seated on the throne. I mean, He's alone is worthy of our hope. Therefore, I am not afraid of the results of the election. I'm not afraid of what's going to happen after the election. People say, well, you know, if this happens, then we're going to, I've heard we're going to have riots, and I heard this, we're going to have a shutdown, we're going to have all of this. Look, Jesus is higher than all of that. Listen, presidents have come and presidents have gone. In fact, whole political parties have come and gone. How many of you remember the Whigs? Any Whigs left? No, probably not. I don't know the future, but I know this. I know who holds the future, and it is well with my soul, and it should be well with you. Our king of King alone is the only constant, and guess what? He's not up for re-election, right? I, what, what scares me, one of the reasons, this is the first time I've ever really taught about this in the 25 years that we've been here, right, uh, is that I, I see so much fear-mongering and division And name-calling and just ugliness and fear production I would expect that from unbelievers but to see that from believers on social media I mean I'm thinking uh, somebody's got to say something and I think maybe we can start here and we can do something and whether you know it or not we've all been victims of this peddling of fear here's an example the Republicans are gonna take away your opportunity to vote the Democrats are gonna take away your guns so for $25 $50 or a hundred you can make a difference in that if the president is reelected it's gonna be the end of the world and there's gonna be mass riots if the Democrats are elected it's gonna be the eve of socialism and the end of the world so if you'll give me 25 50 or 100 dollars right now we'll make sure we take care of this right what is that that's the peddling of fear you know how you make money you peddle fear you peddle fear and then that's, we understand that. That's how they do that. But that should not be among believers, right? Everybody wants a piece of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? At Christmas and elections, everybody wants a piece of Jesus. Yeah, in football games, yeah. Some need it more than other times right now. They want, they want Jesus to be on their side, right? Republicans are absolutely convinced because of their values, that Jesus, if he were alive today, would be a Republican. The Democrats would say, absolutely, Jesus would be a Democrat because of our concern and care for individuals. And so there they are. So who's right? Would Jesus be a Republican? Would it be a Democrat? Well, I'm glad you asked that because in Joshua chapter 5, we have God saying that he's really not on one side or the other. He's got his own political agenda. Look at this. In Joshua chapter 5, Joshua is about to go into the city of Jericho. Remember that? And as he starts to go in the city of Jericho, there's a huge, huge, huge man standing with a drawn sword. And so Joshua says this. While Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw right in front of him a man standing holding his drawn sword. Joshua stepped up to him and said, whose side are you on, ours or our enemies? And he said, read it with me. Neither. I'm commander of God's army. This is the paraphrase. Joshua sees this huge man with a drawn sword. Are you on my side or are you on their side? In other words, let's paraphrase it today. Are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? Whose side are you on? Who do you want to win in this election? And God would say, neither. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. I'm on God's side. Jesus, listen, if you don't forget everything else I say, remember this. Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. He set up a kingdom that is not of this world, a kingdom that will last forever and ever and ever. When people ask you, get ready, you want to take a picture of this because it's going to be good. When people ask you, how are you going to vote in this upcoming election? Your answer shouldn't be, well, I'm going to vote this way or I'm going to vote that way. But here's what we should say. I'm voting with God. Because he has his own side. I'm going to vote for the party, person, or platform that best represents God's values to advance his kingdom. Right? I mean, that's where it's got to be. People say, well, you know, that person looks very presidential. And? What does that mean? Well, they just, you know, they they speak well. And just, you know, th- their words are, are, just, are, are just right. And what does that mean? We're not, a, we're not electing a Mr. America or a Mrs. America. We're electing someone to lead in this nation. And we need to be sure that as a church, we're not backing away from biblical truths. I'm seeing more and more churches and individuals to say, yeah, I know what the Bible says, but you know, we've got to be kind to people. We've got to be, uh, yes, and we need to be kind to people, but we must not neglect this word. Now, so what are the issues that we should think about away? I mean, there are a lot of issues. There are hundreds, and I'm not going to go into all those today. Aren't you thankful for that? There are a lot of, but I'm going to say that there are some that are crucial in every election. And we as believers in the church must learn to stand up unashamedly with passion and with compassion for what the word says, for not what others say. So, Peter said this. We ought to obey God rather than man. How many of you believe that? We ought to obey this word rather than the fear of man. First of all, before I look at these issues, I want to say, I just added this uh, this morning. Honor. Is something that must be given to the position. Right? Honor. Honor is given to the position. Whoever is elected, I will immediately afterwards, I will honor the position of that office. Because as a Christian, I'm called to do that. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17 says, In order to honor the Lord, look at this. You must respect And defer to the authority of every human institution. That's our political system. Whether it be the highest ruler, president, or the governors that he puts in place to punish lawbreakers. That's what government is about, is to bring law and punish lawbreakers. And to praise those who do what's right. For it is God's will for you to silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing what is right. As God's loving servants. How many of you are his loving servants? You should live in complete freedom, but never use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Recognize the value of every person and continually do what? Show love to every believer. Live your lives with great reverence and in holy awe of God, honor your rulers. Some of you will need to come to the altar today or on your way home and say, Lord God, forgive me. For I have not honored our political officials the way that I should. Now, that doesn't mean that you agree with them. You can say, I agree to disagree with you, and I love you, even though I totally disagree with you. But I honor the position that you're in. That's critical. So what are some of these issues? Well, I think one of the issues is, in every election, is the protection of the innocent. The protection of the innocent. Chief among the government's responsibility, Paul says in Romans 13, 3 and 4, is the protection of the weak and the vulnerable, the weak and the vulnerable. And there's no more vulnerable group in America, in the world today, right now, than unborn mother, unborn babies in their mother's womb. A baby's right to life is one of the most, most critical issues in the world today Perhaps the most critical. I I don't really know. But in Scripture, we all know that life begins at conception. We can't back down from that. We can't back down and say, but life begins at conception. And God says, thou shalt not kill. God commands us not to murder. So we should stand shoulder to shoulder with those people and organizations who are on the front line that protect innocent lives to be born. But I also want to encourage us this morning to broaden our minds that other things are necessary to preserve our country as well. I heard someone say this. This is a great quote. We can't get the pro-life question wrong, but it can't be the only question we ask. Do you see that? We can't get the pro-life question wrong, but it can't be the only question that we ask. I don't think that pro-life is the only issue to consider in this election. I believe that Christians who limit their perspective to this one thing are short-sighted. Let me remind you of Joseph Stalin. Do you remember Joseph Stalin? Soviet Union? He, you might recall he was totally opposed to abortion and gave death to anyone who would abort a baby. But yet the ingrained opposition that he had to religious freedom was a key factor of mass murderers under Stalin's rule. So you see, if we just focus on one issue, we may see a lot of other issues that we're not focusing on. Protecting the innocent, however, is not limited to the pro-life cause. Candidates must also stand with those that are marginalized by society. The Bible says that. We can't get away from that. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. Ensure justice, say justice, for those who are being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor, the helpless, and see that they get justice. It's the president's job to lead and champion the rights of the non-majority of our citizens who are often overlooked in power. It's not just the rich. Or those that are in the majority that would gain unfair advantage or twist the systems in the justice of their favor. But God says to us as believers, we need to stand up for those that are uh, being threatened, those that are being killed, and those that are being marginalized. Number two, this is another important, preservation of religious liberty. Religious liberty is probably one of our most beautiful freedoms but in the past years, there have been many business owners that have been forced to close down their businesses because they would, not give, they would not give an abortion pill to some of their employees. Or yet, they stood strong in the area of marriage or some of the other political things or gender. We get this thing, separation of church and state, all screwed up. In fact, if you go back into our church history, at the be- at the, um, our nation history, at the beginning of our nation, whenever elections, get this, whenever elections were approaching, pastors would publish what they called their election sermon. And it was sent out for everyone in their constituency to read. And these sermons would usually speak to the relationship between government and God's law. They would boldly speak between government and the government's position, and God's law. And they would make sure that both were in agreement. In fact, many of these documents are still around and they were preached by some of our founding fathers and you can still see their names on them. I love Jeremiah 29 and 7. Seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for in its peace, you will have peace. So there's another prayer that we should pray. Number three, this is a a crucial Crucial uh, uh, an area that we as a church have to stand for, stand up against. It's racism. Racial tensions run deep in our country, and political parties bear part of the responsibility to lead the way to justice, reconciliation, and true equality under the protection of the law. God creates all people equal in His image. The Christian position on racism, what is racism? It's valuing one group of people over another group of people based on the characteristics of their skin color or their hair texture. That's clear. Racism is evil, and we must do everything we can to work against that. Micah 6 and 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, To love mercy and walk humbly before your God. Number four issue. These are prime issues. These are biblical issues. Number four is the recognition of divine order. To recognition of divine order. While we don't expect everybody in our nation to abide by Christian mores, we recognize that God created order in these areas. It's God that created these. Man didn't create them, and man has no right to recreate them or to redefine them. And the first is gender. God clearly made people as distinct men and women in his image. These two genders are grace, are gifts of grace that God has given, and they're to be honored in every person. Two. Two. Second of all, divine institution, divine definition is marriage. God clearly defines in the word marriage as a monogamous union between one man and one woman. The government did not invent marriage. They recognize this as an authority emanating from another sphere, from God's created order. God created that. Because they did not define marriage, They cannot redefine marriage. Listen to me. In the coming years, hundreds of cases are going to come before federal courts of whether gender should be based on the inherent designs in the created order embedded in our DNA or on the vagaries of human people. Of just deciding. Our founders were very clear that morality, freedom, and individual rights derive their legitimacy from God's created order. Will we? Will we continue that? I mean, we can scarcely think about the devastation from the loss of distinctiveness between male and females in our society. What will it be like for kids to grow up in a school where teachers cannot use binary language like boy or girl? And each child is encouraged to define their own gender on their own. Number five, immigration balanced with integration. Immigration balanced with integration. I'm saying that some of us are going to feel a little uncomfortable with this, but we're looking in the Word and what the Word is saying. Exodus 22, 21. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner. The actual word foreigner there could be easily substituted for an immigrant. Do not mistreat or oppress an immigrant, for you were once an immigrant. Deuteronomy 10 and 19. And you are to love those who are foreigners or immigrants, for you yourself were foreigners or immigrants in Egypt. The word, the word, not my feelings Not what I see is wrong or how people have done that. America has always welcomed the immigrant. Our founding vision was expressed in the words on the Statue of Liberty. Remember that? Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I will lift up a lamp beside the golden door. Now, I know that doesn't entail full, unrestricted access to anyone who wants to come into our borders. It means that there needs to be some way that we can educate or we can look at that and that these people want to become Americans with us, okay? But for us to sit back and say, no, let's send everybody away. Let's lock it up. Let's lock it down. That's not biblical. And that's an important issue. Number six, probably one of the biggest one, character. Character. We are not electing a pastor-in-chief. <laughs> We're not electing a pastor-in-chief. But character is an enormous indicator of what that person will or will not do. If a person has established a track record, look at the track record, of being revived or unreliable or selfish or lacking in integrity, Can we reasonably expect this person will quickly change after they become the president in 2021? John Adams said this. I love this quote. Because power corrupts, society's demands for moral authority and character increase as the importance of the position increases. Wow. So I believe those are critical issues. How you stand on those issues. And here's what I'm going to tell you. No political party will come down the line on all of those issues. So that means you've got to use some godly prayer time and look at that and see where you, where you should vote and how you should vote. So what are we to do? If we're going to disagree, um, if we're going to agree to disagree on some of these things, then what are we to do? Here's what we're to do. Number one, give space and show grace. Say that with me. Give space And show grace well we won't all vote the same way we need to give space and show grace let me put it this way if you're a Democrat your Republican brothers and sisters are not crazy if you're a Republican your Democrat brothers and sisters are not crazy they just sit in a different place and see the world in a different view Because of what they've gone through, because of where they are, because of their past history, for where they are. As long as we as believers catch ourselves saying, I don't know how anybody could believe that. You just said something about yourself instead of the person. You just said, I don't know how. Maybe it's because you haven't talked to somebody. Maybe it's because you've spent all of your time on social media trying to defunct their position. And use name-calling and division. Maybe it might be good to sit down with somebody that has a different opinion opinion than yours and say, help me to understand where you're coming from. Help me to understand in that. And then you don't try to set them straight. You just say, mm, um, mm, yeah, mm. And you say, but what if they don't ask my opinion? Well, you don't have to give it, right? (laughs) You can just say, you know what? I disagree with you. And if you want to talk about that, I'll talk about it. But why do we get, why do we argue? We argue because we're unsure. We argue because we have the fear of the future. Listen, a fear of the future when God is still in control? Please, listen, listen to me. Please, 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 please hear this. Never, 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 please, 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 never, never, never burn a relational bridge with another believer over your political view. Well, you you say, but they started burning the bridge on their side, but you don't have to burn it on your side. Listen, you were both sinners saved by the amazing grace of God. And because of that, you're going to burn a relational bridge. There is not one candidate nor one party that will meet every issue right on. Each individual has a pro and has a con. Actually, You can dislike a candidate for their personality and yet vote for them because you believe they're closer to the biblical principles that we see here, right? It's not a personality contest, all right? Number two, we need to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Be the answer. Did you know Jesus had a prayer request in John chapter 17? It's interesting that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record this prayer of Jesus. And Jesus has a prayer request. You ever been in the group that say, anybody have a prayer request? You're sitting around circle. How about in life groups? Anybody have a prayer request? And somebody raises their hand and they say, "Yeah, I've got a prayer request. Can you imagine now? It's just a couple of hours before Jesus is going to be arrested, tortured, a few hours before he's going to be crucified. And he says, "I've got a prayer request." This is a prayer request that he gave to God. That's a great, you, you might want to read John 17. So here he is, and he said, I have a prayer request. And you and I can be the answer to his prayer request. John 17 11. Jesus is talking to the Father. He said, I'm no longer in the world. In other words, he says, I'm getting ready to check out. For this reason, I came to die for lost souls. So I'm no longer gonna be in the world, but these, these 12 that are here with me, they're gonna be in the world, and so I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. And then in verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. He's not just praying for those 12 guys. He's saying, I'm praying that people that hear their message, that you sent me to die for them, And that you and I are one, that they can see me and you, and you and me, excuse me, that they can be one in us. He said, in other words, when the next generation hears the truth of me coming, they'll believe that, and they can be one. And then when the next generation hears that generation, and when the next generation hears and the next generation, all the way up into this generation that's setting right here, he says, listen, this is what I'm praying for. In the 21st century, I'm praying, I'm praying this for the Republicans, the Democrats, the privileged, the not so privileged, the independents, the indecisive, the libertarians, the librarians, you know, the black, the white, the beige, the married, the single. He said, I'm praying that this, that all of those that call me Lord, no matter where they're from, no matter what they've experienced, no matter how they've been treated, more, no matter how poorly they've been treated, how they've been connected or disconnected. He said, I'm praying for all of them. I'm praying for this extraordinary dispersion of people with different experiences. And Jesus is saying here, my church, my church is going to be so diverse. And my church is going to be so international. And my church is going to have so many different languages and so many different cultures and so many different cultures and colors. He said, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Yes, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap in that. Do you know why he prayed for oneness? This is a shocker. You know why he prayed for oneness? It really has nothing to do with you and me. He prayed for oneness because of what he wanted to do through you and through me. But listen, if there's a lack of unity among believers in the local church or churches, there are churches that have boldly come out and said, we are a Republican church. And in this church, if you vote for a Democrat, you're out of God's will. That's division. That's division. It could be the same way for a Democrat church or someone else that say, you know, even if you vote, you're wrong. That's wrong. There's no way that we can do that. There's just no way people can say is my opinion is I think this particular party or this leader would be good but for you to say everybody should vote that way and they don't vote that way then instead of being an answer to Jesus's prayer you're actually a hindrance to his prayer and not only a hindrance to his prayer but how that prayer will affect the people that are around us he said the reason I want that is I want to show people outside the church that people can be diverse they can have a different opinion and they can still love one another ladies and gentlemen this is mission critical that we can disagree we can disagree but we can still love one another that is the beautiful magic piece of unity in God amen listen here's what I know your candidate your political candidate for president or for what every or everything will win or lose based on how American citizens will vote on a Tuesday in November, right? You say, yeah, but this could be that. No, settle down, okay? But the church, listen to me, this is what's critical. The church will win or lose based on our behavior every single day between now and then and after the election. After the election is not a place for you to gloat. I told you so. It's not a place for you to rise up in riots with other people. It's not a place. It's a place to say, well, I didn't vote that way, but I want you to know for the sake of God, I love you. For the sake of what Jesus prayed, I want you to know I will agree to disagree with you. And now I say, that person is my president and I will pray the prayer every day. Can you imagine what might happen if a president comes into office and this nation of America or churches would pray every day for God's kingdom and God's will to come into their life? You see, the church wins or loses, the community wins or loses, our nation Wins or loses based on how we treat each other, love each other, and love our world every single day between now and then. Some of you need to get off social media for the next few days, all right? You need to get off. You need to stop watching CNN and Fox. You need to go straight to the platform of individuals and see what they say. I don't trust Fox. I don't trust CNN. I don't trust any of those because they're all slanted. They're all slanted. But I trust what this word says. So listen, listen, listen. Why would you, as a follower of an eternal king, allow yourself to be divided divided by a temporary political system, a temporary political leader, or a temporary political platform? In fact, both of those guys are pretty old. They could kick the bucket any moment. They're temporary. I'm saying, heck, ain't we got no young people? <laughs> Where's the John F. Kennedys or somebody? I don't know. I, well, there, I, I, I don't know. You may not have liked him, but I, I have no idea. I didn't say I liked him. I just, he's young. <laughs> See, that was not in my notes. so I should have gone there, right? <laughs> so listen to me. This is my heart today. So disagree politically, love unconditionally, and pray for oneness. I said disagree politically, love unconditionally, and pray for oneness. In case you didn't hear me, I said disagree politically, but love unconditionally, and pray for unity. I got a message for you this morning from Jesus. Would you like to see it? Here it is. Kamala is beloved. Donald is fearfully and wonderfully made. Mike is cherished. Joe is important enough that I died for him. Love Jesus. I'm trusting that you will want to glorify God with your vote. And if you've already voted, I trust that you want to glorify God with your actions between now and then and in those first few weeks after the election. Probably some of you are worried about making the wrong decision. That's okay. All I'm asking is don't be faithless, faithless when you cast your ballot. Don't trust in yourself on that day. And don't trust in a candidate or a party. Here's what I'd recommend for you to do. I did this yesterday. Hold your ballot in your hand and pause and thank Jesus for His loving leadership in your life and for His sovereignty over this election. Then as you check those boxes and you get ready to pass it in before you get ready to put that in the machine, say this. Say it out loud. Lord, Lord, May your kingdom come, may your will be done. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. Let's pray. Wow. Jesus, forgive us for being judgmental. Forgive us for being divisive. Forgive us for name calling people that you created, one of the founding rights that we have in this nation is religious freedom, religious freedom for all, not just for Christians. The difference that separates Christianity from other religions is that we don't kill people that we don't agree with. We show them the love of Jesus Christ through our actions and through our heart. Father, I pray that you'll use this church to be a catalyst to bring a godly revival into our nation. I just, I, 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 I want to pray today. I, I just sense that there are some that are here today, maybe some that are watching online. And you just, you just have a lot of fear. You have a lot of fear. The fear of the unknown. The, the what-ifs. I mean, that could be about the, the COVID. That could be um, the election. But I mean, it's, it's just eating away at you. And, and you've been saying, I, I shouldn't be this way. I'm a believer. I shouldn't have this fear. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me today if that's you? I want to pray for you. Just lift your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for honesty today. Thank you. Thank you. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, 365 times, right? The Bible says fear not. So in other words, they took for granted that we're going to have fears. Those of you that are watching online. I'm saying to you today that if you catch this concept, that Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over and to establish a kingdom that will last forever and ever and ever. Part of that fear will begin to dissipate. Now, the Lord says, I sense this in my spirit. He says, quit watching so much news. Quit listening to what people say to you on social media. And every day, wake up with this. This is a day that the Lord has made. This election's not going to sneak up on him. He's in total control. And I believe, I believe that his kingdom come, his will be done. I just, I just pray that today. I, I pray that so strongly. I pray that so strongly. But I have this unusual sense today that someone's here or maybe watching online that you've had desires to get into the political arena, but you've been uncertain is that that the place for a believer? Well, heck yes. Why not? Why not? Or maybe you're here today, you're online. And maybe it's even from a young child, you thought, you know, and, and how, how do I start? Well, we start locally. We start getting involved and making a difference there, you know, and, 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 and do that. But I don't know who you are or if you're here or you're watching online, but I just want to say to you, take godly, patient steps, get godly counsel, but God says a big yes. There's nothing wrong with Christians in, 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 the, in the political realm. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to be sure that you're able to do that. You, you want to be sure that you can do that. You can sure that you can do that. Wow. Today, you may be here and you say, you know what? My relationship with the Lord is not where you should be. And so I, I even have a tough time even asking him to help me with my fear. Because I have the fear that I'm not ready to meet him. If he were to call for me today, I'm not ready to meet him. Let me remind you that Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sins and my sins. He died I I can't pay for my sins but he died for my sins he wants to give you forgiveness for your sins he wants to give you a meaning for life and he wants to give you an eternity with him can you imagine what it's going to be like for some of you Democrats and some of you Republicans when you get to heaven to sit down and see the kingdom of God and say wow remember how so different that we were on issues But yet the difference that we had, we were able to sow seeds of oneness and love. If you're here today and you say, I can't really do that. I've got hatred in my life. Then then you really need Jesus today. You need him. So if you're here today and you say, Terry, would you pray for me that I can invite Jesus into my heart, into my life? I want to know that I'm ready. I used to know that, but I'm not sure now. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and let me pray with you today? Just raise your hand and let me pray with you. I wouldn't want anyone to leave today without that. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Others today, those of you that are watching online, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Let me me lead us in a prayer today. Pray this prayer with me. Nobody should pray this prayer by themselves. Thank you, Lord, for loving me, for caring for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I confess my sin, and I ask you to forgive me and to come into my life, and to be my Lord and Savior, and fill me with your spirit. As best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Church, would you celebrate with me those who prayed that prayer today? Amen, 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 amen. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.